Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980 AM, or anywhere on the Odyssey app. 33 degrees and cloudy at 509 here in Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm proud to bring on my next guest, a retired Navy Rear Admiral Paul Becker, current CEO of the Becker T3 Group, consultancy, formerly Director of Intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff, where he was the Principal Intelligence and Cyber Security Advisor to the Chairman who provided direct advice to the President. U.S. Pacific Command in Hawaii, the Internal International Security Assistance Forces Joint Command in Afghanistan, Commanding Officer of the Department of Defense's largest Joint Intelligence Operations Center, at the U.S. Central Command in Tampa, and Assistant Naval Attaché to France. Admiral Becker, thanks for joining the Rob O'Donnell Show today. Rob, good afternoon. Thanks for having me back on the show. Oh, anytime, my friend, anytime. Um, More than 160 attacks on our U.S. military assets in the Middle East, 39 attacks on shipping, including our naval assets in the area. Over 100 injured soldiers, five dead now, Dozens with traumatic brain injury. We still have members in coma. What's going on in the Middle East? Uh, Nothing to the U.S.'s liking. And I am somber and I am frustrated uh, over a lot of this. Somber because we've lost five service members uh, this week alone. Uh, Two SEALs and three soldiers in two separate attacks. I'm surprised it's taken this long, frankly. We've been under attack uh, from Iran via its proxies for now over three months. Don't is not a strategy. It didn't work. And uh, we're now uh, at the point where our adversaries don't take us serious. If ever we needed an example that appeasement doesn't work, uh, this is it. Churchill said of appeasement uh, that it's someone who feeds an alligator and hopes that they'll be eaten last. And that's about uh, where we are. Uh, I also said I'm frustrated. Uh, I'm frustrated in that I hear the incessant declaration of public U.S. fears that we don't want a war or an escalation of conflict. And while we may not, to publicly declare that, It undermines every aspect uh, of an effective foreign policy, and it enables uh, and empowers our enemies to know where they can push our limits. We should be saying uh, words to the effect that, Iran, you've got the full might of America coming down on you now. It's going to be lethal. It's going to be swift. We're going to bring about your demise and destruction if necessary. We didn't pick this fight. You did. And here's what you're going to get in return. And uh, that's uh, the approach uh, that we should be carrying out. Uh, Our deterrence posture over these last several months has been ineffective. You know, there's two elements uh, to deterrence. There's prevention and we may have uh, some fairly good defensive systems, not foolproof or perfect, Uh, but there's another element to deterrence, and that's the ability to impose cost. I'll use a football analogy since we're just past championship game weekend and en route to Super Bowl. 
right? If receivers want to go over the middle on a defense, uh, some defenses can prevent it by having sticky guys with long arms and high speed that can knock down the ball. And there are others that will put you on your back and make you think twice about trying to catch a ball over the middle again. Well, we've done none of the latter and all of the former. And I think there will be a strike now. Uh, tonight or tomorrow night, I would uh, estimate at the latest. But it's probably about 90 days too late uh, to have the right impact. You know, Iran is, uh, I use the analogy, they're just like an evil octopus here. And they've got all these eight tentacled arms, which are their proxies. And they're willing to fight to the very last proxy. But they're not going to start paying attention until they start taking some shots to the core. And that's what they need to receive. Uh, and it doesn't need to be all kinetic. And it doesn't need to be all at once. Uh, there's an acronym we use for uh, deliberate defense planning uh, called DIME, D-I-M-E, uh, Diplomatic Information, Military, and Economic. The military part is self-explanatory. Uh, the economic part put back in place the very sanctions that had Iran rolling around in 2020, you know, like a dead bug, you know, with their feet kicking in the air. They were down to just a few billion in reserves, and now they're in the tens, if not hundreds uh, of millions since the relaxing of sanctions. Heck, the United Nations even let the ballistic missile controls, uh, which prevented Iran from importing or exporting ballistic missile technology to expire. That's a diplomatic uh, implementation that needs to be in place. It doesn't just need to be the U.S. That's a diplomatic part to get others involved in this, and we need to incentivize others uh, to join us in this effort uh, by uh, ensuring that there'd be some negative repercussions for them if they don't uh, support this type of action, and information as well. Um, there may be non-kinetic actions to this. Use uh, of the World Wide Web, uh, use of cyber uh, tools uh, for both uh, offense and, of course, uh, Iran's a sophisticated cyber ally, uh, adversary, so uh, we'd need to bolster our own defenses. Listen, this has happened once before, and we talked about this, Rob, in November when you're kind enough to have me on the show. Uh, for those that are wringing their hands and admiring the problem that we can't have another war on our hands, if we escalate, it will create another war. Well, we've escalated uh, twice before in a significant way uh, when Iran uh, did uh, similar type activities. 1986, Reagan administration, Operation Praying Mantis, and uh, we took out some Iranian uh, ships and oil platforms, and they backed off. And then in 2020, when uh, Qasem Soleimani, the head of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, was taken out uh, when he landed in Baghdad, um, the Iranians backed off. They don't want a war with us, right? That doesn't mean we shouldn't 
use swift and significant force to send them a message right to the core of this evil and malign actor. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now, Joe Biden, when he was boarding Marine One this morning, was asked directly, obviously not what he was going to do, but he said he made the decision on what, what, what was going to happen. And he was asked specifically and directly by a reporter, will this deter Iran in the future? And his answer was, we'll see. I mean, that's not a message of, of confidence from a commander-in-chief, a message to send to the American people and to Iran, because one of the biggest things uh, that's bothered me through the past couple of days, and, and as, as a military parent, you know, operational security, OPSEC, it's drilled into us as family members, it's drilled into our children who serve in the military, it's drilled into anyone who wears a uniform, that you don't talk about those things. And this administration has been projecting, well, this is the several t things that we could strike when we decide to. And not giving nothing but basically pre-warning to mitigate damages to Iran. So, they, I mean, they've, they've obviously taken the past couple of days to rid their facilities of anything important or, or such like that. And that's, that's what really jumped out at me from this administration. The words and the tone are feeble and feckless and flaccid. Okay. Uh, in a book from uh, former uh, CIA and National Security Advisor and Secretary of Defense Gates in 2014, he highlighted you know, that uh, Joe Biden had been wrong on nearly every foreign policy and national security decision for the past four decades and the whole tone uh, that uh, this administration is setting with regard to what's happening here in the Middle East uh, is unsatisfactory, and it's creating more problems than it's solving. And you can bet China's watching this all and taking notes. Absolutely. And just this morning, the families, these gold, these new Gold Star families, um, said that they have not heard from they haven't heard from the the commander in chief they did not hear from the white house as of yet they did not get a call thankfully during this show we found out that that call was in fact made but 3 days for the commander in chief to call a gold star family I, i'm not sure and i hope to never know um if that's normal or not but in your experience is is that out of line is that out of place i, I don't know the timelines either rob uh President's en route a fundraising trip to Florida. Don't know what else was on his agenda. Uh, so I don't, I don't have good feedback on that one. I'm glad the call was made. Uh, the families deserve that respect. Uh, once a reservist, you're twice a citizen. It's another Churchill uh, citation. And uh, I have the utmost respect and, uh, you know, the utmost... Uh, condolences for their families yeah as as we as do we all as do we all now I, I was looking into the system that this base this this tower 22 had they had the coyote anti-drone system which f from just reading reports from the military it, it's not as a robust of a system it's it's that then it could be for that area knowing that they've dealt with drone strikes and ballistic missile strikes after that uh reading that 
back in December of 2020, uh, I'm sorry, January of 2023, a U.S. base in Syria was struck by three of these attack drones, and the Coyote system was able to take out two with a third getting in, injuring two Syrian military partners that we had at that base with them. And that was a year ago. And just this December, the Army requested more of these Coyote systems because of the demand for them. And again, after months of 160 drone and ballistic missile attacks going on. So this is obviously something that our military knew was going on. Our commander-in-chief, the people in the White House, should know what was going on. Are you familiar at all with this Coyote anti-drone system? And uh, I, I've read up on it. My, I, was, uh, I was last in uniform service six years ago before the system was fielded. So I've never seen it in operation. I've read the good reviews. You, you mentioned a key word, demand. Uh, I don't know what the inventory is. I don't know what the distribution is. Uh, I wonder how many have gone to places besides U.S. bases, you know, whether it's uh, Ukraine or whether it's to Israel. So uh, there's a, a resource distribution uh, factor here, and there's a, an operator tactical a dimension, you know, to any kind of sneak attack like this. It doesn't sound like they use electronics to defeat uh, the U.S. defensive systems, but maybe just a ruse. Uh, you could see old World War II movies of submarines trying to sneak into an enemy harbor, you know, by being quiet and operating right underneath an enemy destroyer that doesn't know it's underneath it. Uh, I've been out in the field in such situations, you know, when there have been surprise attacks and ruses, some we were effective at defending against, others not. So I, I don't want to lean too far forward and say, here's what I think it is, uh, because I, I don't have the firsthand data. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, w one of the things I wanted to touch on, too, because, uh, of course, your experience, and again, we're talking to retired Rear Admiral Paul Becker, uh, former director of intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff. The Navy has recently reduced its education requirements for recruitment, doing away with the GED and high school requirement if you have a certain score on your entrance exam. What does that do for our military? Uh, that may provide a short-term benefit to the manpower deficit that we have in the Navy right now. Uh, the... Uh, Army and the Air Force have similar manpower shortages. For the record, and as an aside, the Marines met their recruiting goal for 2023, Rob. Uh, they still send Marines out into high schools. They still wear their uniform. They've relocated their recruiting centers to new demographic centers. And when asked, uh, what type of bonus can you give You know these new Marines? Uh, the Commandant of the Marine Corps uh, proudly say, well, you, the bonus, you get to call yourself a Marine, <laughs> right? Uh, so there's a pride uh, that, that comes along with that. But back to the Navy here. My brother was a Marine, uh, by the way. Uh, the short-term benefit, the long-term cost. We've tried this in the past. In the 70s, in particular, you know, after the end of uh, conscription in the U.S., and we became an all-volunteer force, uh, when you lower the standards, the evidence was clear that there will be a lowering of performance. 
Uh, I use the uh, metaphor of barnacles, since this is a Navy discussion. Uh, what do barnacles do to a ship? Uh, they take up some space, they slow things down, and they lower performance. Uh, it was because of that lower performance uh, from the uh, non-high school grads or non-GED equivalents uh, that came in in that time frame, that, uh, that plus societal impact, we had a, a really significant drug problem, not just in the Navy, but all the armed forces. It was so rampant, in fact, late 70s, early 80s, it was the basis for the random urinalysis programs that we still have in place in the military. And that's a very good uh, deterrent as uh, an aside. But when you discourage quality from joining an organization, you, you'll just undoubtedly get a larger number of substandard performers. And that leads to a dysfunctional organization. And you may not be putting as much emphasis as you want on the be all you can be or uh, a force for good uh, and just, hey, let's keep out of trouble, right? Uh, my rule of thumb is if you lower your standards, you should lower your expectations of what will come out the other end. But that's not how the American military, it's not how the American people rightfully demand their military perform. If we're going to have a high standard military, we should hold the line on high standard people. And in my opinion, even if that means you know, uh, enduring some gaps, we should not lower the standards. Well, I appreciate that expert assessment on what's going on. And again, for a total number, I think they were saying 500 more recruits a year. You know, the benefit is not worth the, the risk there. Admiral Becker, I appreciate you joining the Rob O'Donnell Show. And, and hopefully, you know, when we have some assessments of what our response is going to be, I'm going to have you back on. Yeah, happy to do so. And best uh, to your Navy family as well, Rob. Thank you, Admiral. Thanks for joining the Rob O'Donnell Show.